0: 2020 was looking great, and we're like, wow, we are on track to have a banner year. March hits, and literally in 48 hours, I had breakup emails and calls from half our book of business that just, all that business evaporated. So we lose half our business. I actually got uh, tested positive for COVID, um, and then all of a sudden, our pipeline just dried up.
1: Hey there, I'm Preston Lee. And I'm Clay Mosley. And this is Freelance to Founder. The journey from freelancing to running your own agency comes with its own unique set of challenges. Challenges that Clay and I have both faced while building our own successful businesses. And on this show, we sit down with freelancers and agency builders like you for value-packed on-air coaching sessions with one focus. Taking your business from freelance to founder. We'd love to have you join us on the air for an upcoming episode. To learn how to get your free coaching sessions like the guests you hear on our show, visit FreelanceToFounder.com and click on the microphone icon. We are here and ready to help you take
2: action in your
1: business. On today's show, we have an insightful conversation with Jim Huffman, who runs Growth Hit, a conversion focused agency serving tech companies and startups. And when COVID-19 hit the US in March of this year, Jim got an email from one of his clients asking to put their work on hold. Which was all fine until another client cut them off too, and another, and another. The pandemic had led to Jim's company losing almost half a million dollars in potential sales for the year, and to top it all off, Jim caught the coronavirus while traveling for work. But not long after, Jim recovered from the illness, and now his business has rebounded from the loss. And in this episode, we peel back exactly how Jim recovered, and pull out lessons you can apply to your business as we all cope with COVID together. We'll get started with this episode after a quick word from our sponsors. and restrictions apply. When you wake up in the morning and check your phone, does it feel like this? Or like this? Because with Shopify, your morning can feel like this way more often. Welcome back to another episode of Freelance to Founder. I'm joined today uh, by Jim Hoffman from Growth Hit. Hey, Jim. Hey, how are you doing? Good, man. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Pumped to be here. Great. And also my friend Clay Mosley from GitDripify.com. Hey, Clay. Hey, guys. How's it going? Super well. Very excited to be on the air with Jim today. Jim's uh, got a bit of a unique story for us, you know, where we typically do uh, a coaching session, talking about scaling, uh, going from the freelancer status to founder status, running an agency, you know the drill. Well, Jim's got a a bit of a different story for us today. And I'm gonna have you start out, Jim, maybe by telling us a little bit about where your company is at currently.
0: So we're called Growth Hit. We are a growth marketing consultancy that really tries to specialize in one thing, and that is conversion rate optimization. So essentially all the expensive traffic that people are sending to their sites through the Facebook, Google ads. Uh, we're the ones that want to be dedicated to you know, optimizing that traffic into conversions or leads, whatever that is. Uh, we also do social ads and we do uh, email marketing, but kind of where we hang our hat is on CRO. Um, and so we, we're usually working with you know, e-commerce clients on Shopify. We work with a decent amount of venture-backed companies that maybe raise an, an A round of funding. Um, And so, yeah, that that's where we really like to play. And today, um, let's see, we're at eight employees were, um, you know, at around 10 clients and, you know, our our monthly recurring revenues um, just almost around 80,000 per month.
1: That's fantastic. So these are that's good. Yeah, really good. These are high ticket clients. Um, Like you say, a lot of them venture backed. So they have some they have some budget to work with. I mean, if you're doing if you're doing eighty k with how many clients did you say? Uh, Ten. Yeah, so that's that's a good good deal.
2: So you're sitting pretty close at a million a year right now, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it was not always this way. Like getting up to like that high ticket item, I I wish it like started that way. But I'm sure like you guys know it. um, Like starting off, we were just you know really trying to take any business we could, doing everything. And just in the past kind of twelve months is when. We got really disciplined to kind of go more up funnel, get those bigger clients um, that do that because it's so funny, and you all know this: is the the bigger clients that have the bigger budgets are actually much better, less high maintenance, and um, you know it, m- usually have better retention. <laughs> that um, is the truth. <laughs> so true, one hundred percent. I had to, yeah, I had to learn the hard way. It's like if people say that. It's like, why can't I just listen to people? I had to definitely learn that the hard way.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's something Clay has preached multiple times on this show. And that yeah. is, uh, you know, raise raise your rates until you out outprice the the low ballers and the high maintenance clients. Not only will you make the same amount of money or more on fewer clients, but you'll have way fewer headaches to deal with.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, quality of life, especially when you're doing services, is so important because you you can get burned out real quick.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I I I just listened to, and I I learned the hard way on this too, uh, and I feel like I feel like a lot of people do. <laughs> uh, but I just I just watched a training um, on a guy named Dave Steck, S T E C H. I think uh, the dude's like a billionaire. Anyways, he uh he always he he one thing he said uh numerous times on this training was uh fewer better clients. And that's basically what you're doing right now, which is amazing.
0: Yeah, trying to. And it's hard, um, you know, because, you know, some agency owners or, or freelancers, you're you're paranoid, right? You're constantly paranoid, like, oh, you're, you could get fired. Or maybe I'm paranoid and nobody else is. You're but, not uh, alone, for sure. So <laughs> you don't want to say no to anything. But the thing that happens when you start saying no and you say yes to stuff, what you're saying yes to, you're actually like, hey, I can deliver on this. And this is going to be an awesome engagement. And when mm-hmm. you start to have like a, a client list that has a lot of those that you're excited about, um, you, you get a little bit more confident. And the other thing that I lacked, and we'll kind of get into this was, you know, I, I didn't have repeatable, scalable way to get leads. We were just like, "Oh, wow, we got a lead today. How did that happen? I don't know. Let's let's talk to them and <laughs> maybe work with them." And it's like, it's like as a marketer, that was our marketing strategy. Like we're the cobbler with no shoes. It was actually embarrassing that I'm even like admitting that that was our marketing strategy. But you're you're too busy. You're working on deliverables and getting mm-hmm. results for clients.
2: I'm very curious to know um so like so you talked about that where your your company is today. I'm curious to know like the story behind that. Like how did you get to where you are today?
0: Yeah. So I I was so I'm in Seattle, Washington now, but I was in New York at the time and I was working for um a startup. And um and so I worked for a few different startups. One where I was like employee number 27 and grew to 150 and it was in you know the, the digital space and in e-commerce and the good thing about that was i feel like i learned in two years what people normally learn in like six years because like hey we're trying to see commerce thing jim you're head of e-commerce go figure it out i'm like okay and so getting that crash course accelerated the learning and then i went to another startup as like the lone kind of marketing growth guy the, the non-technical person right and i got connected with some venture firms and then i started um, you know talking to their teams about what they're doing for marketing and growth and i was teaching at general assembly a very like entry level digital marketing 101 course and and by by doing that that actually led to these small one off projects of doing freelancing like making marketing plans and i was so bad at pricing with that like i remember i taught a course in a general assembly and someone came out afterwards like hey that was great um do you do marketing plans i'm like sure and they're like how much do you charge i was like uh you know 350 (laughs) bucks like something like so (laughs) so horrible i think and i like worked my tail off on that marketing plan and gave it to them and i think i like ran the numbers and i made like significantly below minimum wage on the actual project but all of that kind of snowballed to Um, I was teaching and doing this one-off stuff and I kept getting these little side projects and it just hit a tipping point. I'm like, okay, am I going to be like working for the startup or should I go off and do the consulting thing on my own? And I was able to get a couple uh, clients to offset my salary that I was making with the startup and commit to six months. So I was just trying to mitigate the the downside, right? Um, Oh, I love that that. And that was kind of my jumping off point, because I'm actually very risk averse, which is kind of funny for a, a founder, um, but I, I just wanted to, like, cover my bases. But that, that was essentially how I got into it. And as far as the service I was offering, it was kind of holistic, like, growth marketing, right, which meant coming up with a strategy and then executing on social ads, on on-page optimization, and doing email automation flows.
1: Yeah, that's something I uh, preach to freelancers all the time, particularly who are looking at in that scenario of of quitting their job and and taking that whatever their business is full time. I I myself also am risk averse, although I take you know I take calculated risks, but I I always want to make sure that I have that safety net or that cushion. Uh, I was the same way when I got let go from my job. Like we we crunched the numbers, and I probably could have quit six months or a year earlier, but uh, I I needed that extra little push. I think. But I, I that's something I always preach is, you know, just because you hate your job doesn't make you an entrepreneur. So so it doesn't mean that you can just pick up and leave and make something work or you'll just end up at another job here again soon. And so I know Clay has a little bit different take on that. Clay, I admire this. Clay flies by the seat of his pants a little bit more than I do. Uh, but but I think there's definite value in in having a bit of a cushion or a plan when you take that leap.
2: Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, I I'm, I'm, I would say the opposite. I would, I, so this is my sales side of me. I, I, even if I, I, okay. I do agree that having a little bit of cushion and a little, a little bit of cash reserve is the smartest thing, but sometimes I'm not the smartest person. Uh, and, <laughs> and <laughs> so the way, okay. Here, uh, let me tell you the way my mind works is if, if I'm looking at, um, look you know like purchasing something like I I'm I'm about to go to this like mastermind thing with like some billionaires and it costs like it's a three-day thing and it costs $25,000 and and it's in Puerto Rico and and I was talking to my wife about it I'm like that's $25,000 like that's a that's a crap ton of cash right and so, but my, the way my mind, and I would say, well, let me back it up. The way most people would say is, well, that's $25,000. No way I could do that. And so, so the way I think of it is how can I, and, and this event's in March, how can I make $25,000 between now and March, right? Oh, like totally. even more, even more so than what I would have made. And so like, that's the way my mind works. And so I was like, Okay, now I have a plan. This is how I'm going to make $25,000. Okay,
1: I'm totally going to sign up for it. <laughs> okay, but <laughs> so. I think I think you had like you also have a plan. It's just it's, it's I do. Um, yes. Cuz I I work the same way actually. Like the times in my business where I've made the most money were actually I've looked back, were actually times or where I've had maybe like the biggest revenue breakthroughs in the business were times leading up because until a few years ago this was all on the side. Um, were all times leading up to when I had was had a kid on the way. So we have three kids, and every time I had a kid on the way, it's like these new projects and revenue generating things like came about because I was like, okay, we're having a kid; it's going to cost this much extra. It's going to like, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, you know, I had to figure it out. Like you said, I think I think those can actually work together, and I love that mentality of like, no, I this is this is almost borrowing from. Tim Ferriss' cliche four-hour workweek uh, muse thing, right? His whole thing is like, you know, if you if there's a car you want, you you figure out how to get it with doing mm-hmm. whatever you need to do to make it happen. So I, I totally agree with actually both, if, if it's possible to agree with both.
2: Yeah, I think it is possible. Um, you know, it's so funny. I, I think people think of, and Jim, I don't know if you're this way or not, but like when people like look at something in their business and they're like, okay, I could do that, but I can't do this, right? A lot. So a very common scenario is okay, I want to invest in this thing in my business, but that means I can't go on vacation or I can't buy this new car. And oh, my yeah. mind is, how can I do both? Yeah. Like that's 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 the way I think. And I think that's I think that's a way uh people should be thinking. It's like, how can you do both? Like, and why that, can't I- you do both?
0: Yeah and, and like having those limitations sometimes can cr- you know creativity can come out of that right it's like constraint creates creativity and it's funny impressive you brought up about having a kid like we had our second kid i'm like okay have the second kid daycare cost is now going to go double what can i do to get 2 grand more a month to like offset this daycare kid right. this daycare expense i'm like okay um, I literally like actually like, took a board seat to like help offset like a cost for daycare. I'm like, there we go. Boom. We're good. Back, back at, uh, back at even. But the, the thing yeah. about the 25 K, the thing that's smart though is like, and I'm sure it is what was going through your head. It's like, you're about to have this experience with these billionaires that like the ROI on that, like oh, it's one hundred percent model for it, but it's like, what could come from that could just be so significant. And, I am really trying to push myself to, you know, think outside the box with, okay, there, here's the, the obvious traditional path to go from A to Z, you know, but what are ways you can shortcut that, right? To do that's that so in a timeline or do something different. Cause th- that's kind of what we've been forced with when we lost half our business was like, okay, wow, we need to make up the pipeline that usually takes two years in 30 days. Like, what do you do? you know, and then you're just staring at the wall for a few hours trying to think mm-hmm. of a million dollar idea. That's yeah, actually yeah, a really I, good
1: point because, um, you know, there, it, it's one thing to like want a car and then figure out how to, how to get 25 grand to buy your dream car or whatever. Uh, it's, a, it's a whole other thing to find the money to make an investment in yourself or in your business, something, you know, will pay dividends over time. I actually think Jim, your, your idea of getting you know, clients that would commit to a six month a six month uh like contract with you when you first took the leap, that was a really brilliant creative way to say, like, look, I'm gonna be fine for six months. And honestly, if I can't make it work in six months, then I'll just get another job or whatever you said to yourself. But but you can definitely get creative in ways of of creating that cushion or creating a little more stability so that you're not just completely, completely caught unaware.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And for me, I was like just getting married, and you have all those costs that are incurring. Right. So it's like all these big changes. I wanted to show my wife and her family, like this guy isn't completely crazy. But <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> Well, I guess to be fair, like like all of my all of my uh, non entrepreneurial friends think I'm crazy at most times. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Or they it, just. It, it, Hard Didn't to have a
0: conversation it. with them sometime. Like it's funny because we'll talk, be talking about work, and I don't know. Usually, I'm trying to find who's the other founder entrepreneur in the room who's going <laughs> right. to get there. Because even trying to relate with someone that's, you know, I'm out here in Seattle that's working at Amazon and what and whatever. Like the, the problems, the stress are just different. It's a different language, and so I don't know. Sometimes I'm just in the corner in the room, just you know keeping to myself
1: (laughs) no people usually lose me Mm -hmm. at how's work
2: (laughs) yes oh my gosh (laughs) yeah
1: uh, i mean where do i even start because my my problems are so different than your problems
0: I have three answers for that. One is like, you want to know the truth. It's like, I can go down a a dark rabbit hole or I can like pay the paint, the rosy picture, or I kind of like doing the in-between where I go extreme with, here's the good and the bad. And then I lay it out and then there's pause for like 20 seconds and they don't know how to respond. Yeah. You know, what's so
2: funny is I I do something similar, but it depends on who I'm talking to. Right. (laughs) So if that person I'm, I, I know they're like, Like if I were to actually give them the real answer, and I but I know that person is not going to understand anything that I'm talking about. I just say, "Works good." (laughs) I totally do that all the time.
0: (laughs) I actually dread it, like the question, like "What do you do for a living?" Oh, it's the worst. Yeah, it's
2: the worst. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. It's it's you know, like I have, I have the hardest time uh, in social situations, like. I think I have everything stacked up against me for for me personally, because I'm an introvert and I don't, I don't know how to have that small talk with people, but like if you put me in a room with a bunch of people who are not business owners or entrepreneurs, then it just makes it even worse for me. And so when you say standing in the corner of the room, talking to nobody, like that is a very common scenario for me.
1: Yeah. I'm right there with you. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. yeah. It just can be so tough. Um, (laughs) I think we could. I think we could riff on this kind of stuff for for quite a while. I, I am gonna I'm gonna force us to pivot a little bit here for the sake of the listener, although I'm sure many of them can uh, can relate as well. Jim, you hinted at the fact that you recently had a major uh, downturn in business that you that you didn't foresee. Uh, we're gonna dive into that a little bit. We want to talk. Maybe give us a quick teaser here about. What's, what's the short version that happened? And then after a quick break from our sponsors, we'll dive into what happened and how you recovered and what lessons can be learned from it.
0: 2020 was looking great. We like finally went all in on systems and we're h- closing those big clients. And we're like, wow, we are on track to have a banner year. March hits and literally in 48 hours, I had breakup emails and calls from half our book of business that just all that business evaporated. So we lose half our business. I actually got uh, tested positive for COVID. um, And then all of a sudden our pipeline just dried up, losing half a million dollars in 48 hours.
1: Yeah, I I personally can't wait to hear. I I love our conversation so far because I I hope at least part of it will be, yes, we got creative. We were forced to think outside the box. We were forced to say the equivalent of there's this $25,000 event coming up and we must attend it. And so after this quick break from, our sponsors. We're going to hear the rest of that story from Jim. Hang on tight. We'll be right back. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane, effective home workout. That's because Hydro All right, we are back. You're listening to Freelance to Founder. I'm here with Clay Mosley from GetDripify.com, and our guest is Jim Huffman. Uh, thank you so much, you guys, for for the conversation so far. I want to dive into Jim's story. It's it's a pretty crazy story, honestly. When uh, when you first reached out, Jim, and you told me that you had lost a huge amount of business and also contracted COVID-19. I was intrigued to say the least. So why don't you back us up to maybe earlier this year, what was going right in your business? And then when when did it take a turn?
0: Yeah, so I I think a lot of people that probably listen were in the same position I was, where you have this agency, you you call yourself the CEO, the founder, whatever it is. But the truth is you're still the one executing and doing everything. And, and that's kind of where I was. And then j- finally, in like Q4 of last year, I finally fired myself from doing a lot of the tasks so I could work on the business. Like I'm still very involved and on client calls, but I'm not executing and I have a team and there's two people, like two senior people that are significantly better than me, like running stuff. And so we're going into q one and I'm finally able to be kind of like CMO of the company and try and grow it. And we're on pace to like, like our goal is 2 million, you know, for annual recurring revenue. And like, it's like, Hey, we think we can hit this. And so we're pumped. Like it's, it's, we feel like we have a plan and the team in place. We've done all the SOPs, all the boring stuff of documenting exactly what we do. And so as, as March comes, like we're still bullish and then COVID hits, right. They start shutting down everything and Taking a step back, our clients, a lot of them are e-commerce. A lot of them are not essential products. They're nice to haves. A lot of them are venture-backed, which means they have some money, but their cash reserves in general are kind of shaky because they have aggressive goals and a limited time to do that. And so it's almost this perfect storm of when the economy goes on hold, these are the businesses that are going to be impacted. So as they're looking at their P&L and the costs they can cut, you know, agencies are at the top of the list. And, you know, right away, like I think it was March 13th, we start getting emails from people like, hey, we've got to pause working together. <laughs> and the first one comes in. I'm like, oh, that's fine. You know, that, that's normal. The second one, I'm like, okay, that's interesting. That's not very fun. And then they just like snowball. I do, I get on some calls with people and it's just, I, I all of a sudden I'm looking at the numbers, like we just lost like half a million dollars, essentially. And meanwhile, that Thursday, I, I was traveling for work and um, I, I started to get pretty sick. And I'm one of those people that whenever you get sick, I kind of ignore it. But it um, it was a for me, it was quite an epic flu. And it, it knocked me out where I was. I couldn't be awake for more than like three to four hours without needing a nap. And my wife also got sick. She like lost her sense of taste. So our house was kind of decimated for a little bit and, and the icing on the cake is we have two daughters under the age of three that um obviously needed some attention. So we're just zombies trying to take care of them as, as all this was going on, and my business is imploding. So um yeah, it was uh, it was, a, it, it was a, the ultimate stress test for a company for me and March for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah. and and what so, what's maybe the first thing that you told your team or what were your first reactions after after the initial gut reaction of, Oh wow, we just lost half a million dollars in revenue this year. What, yeah. what happened next?
0: Yeah, I first for me is kind of a game of numbers. I'm like, okay, what are our cash reserves? What's our existing income versus our burn? So I'm I'm doing a very simple simple model in Google Sheets, just like running through these doomsday scenarios. Um, ju- just this is like, like your runway.
1: runway. What what runway do you have exactly. left before you literally have to close your doors?
0: Exactly. And the the this the only good thing that that was kind of going for us was we were already overextended because we took on some clients and we were about to hire two people. So the the silver lining is that I hadn't hired those two people. So oh, had nice. I done that, it would have been significantly harder. But because we were overextended, you know, we lost a significant amount of business, but we weren't having to dip significantly into cash reserves. So I'm like, okay. That made me feel a little bit better, but I was also still paranoid. Like we have to over deliver for these existing clients right now. It's not about scope. It's not about margins. It's about let's be good partners through this. So I, we decided to kind of lean into it with our existing partners because they they don't know what's going on. So we wanted to tackle it head on. Like, wow, this is crazy. That this is going on. Let's rethink the strategy. Let's, you know, work together on, you know, how do we reposition our product? What is the goal? Is it transactions? Is it building up brand awareness? Um, and so, having those conversations hopefully brought us closer with some of those clients, so they could lean on us as strategic partners rather than, you know, just just some person that's looking to them to to take orders.
2: How did you do that? I'm just curious. How did you communicate that with your with your partners, your your clients?
0: Yeah, we think some of the best ways to communicate is through data. Um, and so what we did is we started looking at like, okay, in the past, you know, COVID nineteen hasn't happened before, but there's been significant downturns. What are companies that came out of those downturns and to be even stronger, and what were some of the things they did from a marketing perspective? We also looked at, you know, Social Fulcrum was putting out some interesting reports on what they're seeing across all of their clients. Um, We also wanted to think through, you know, what do we need to do to reposition like our conversion tests? Like, so for us, maybe it's hyping up, hey, the ship's from the U.S. This is an essential product. You need to stock up, Um, pushing bulk buying, and just trying to think through things like that. So whether it's, putting data in front of them so they can use it to make decisions or to come up with a new strategy that aligns with how their um, customers and personas are changing in this new climate
1: Hmm.
0: um so so that was how because we were just trying to really put ourselves in their shoes like okay if we're the ceo of this company what are we thinking through and how can we be a step ahead to add value to them
2: yeah that's really good i i like that um so i it's funny because i did something similar too because i i had i have a client that is big like her her business caters to the education system so she works with a lot of school districts and things like that and so when covid 19 uh when it hit you know all the schools basically shut down right um and so it, it totally like halted her business and so i i would I think by default probably in her mind was like, okay, I need to cut all my expenses. I including me. And instead what I did was I, and I think this was super important for those businesses who did this. And it sounds like you did um, was to communicate with, like I communicated with her and I said, okay, here's an action plan of what we need to do uh, going forward during this time. And, and, and basically I told her it was like all about relationships. Like we need to, make sure your relationships with your contacts and your clients are are still ongoing and still basically above everything else. And it's not, it's not about selling, but it's just about maintaining those relationships. And it sounds like that's what you did. Um, you did it more with data, uh, which I like, but I, I think that was crucial for sure.
1: And so guys, if there's a freelancer or a founder listening right now who maybe is still reeling a little bit from uh the economic downturn from everything related to the coronavirus i mean it's ongoing obviously we're not out of the woods yet um what what advice would you have for them maybe some actionable advice um that they can take now if they're still struggling a little bit from from the downturn
0: one thing i i think it's kind of twofold one we we did shift a little bit in who we're targeting So being very clear on, okay, what industries are actually doing really well right now? So if freelancers are able to, you know, point themselves in the direction of, okay, here are industries that actually need my service now more than ever. Like for us, it was like some food delivery companies, it's online education, um, some e-commerce companies that have essential products. So so leaning into that one, I, I also think that like for me, When things get tough, you kind of put a lot of pressure on yourself. Like, oh, I have to come up with the answers, the solutions, and hatch this perfect plan. I think doing the opposite is fine. Like, reach out to people you think are really smart. could be advisors, if you have an executive coach. And really get feedback from them on strategy to kind of poke holes at it. Like, that's something that we did that was huge. Like, getting advice from three kind of mentors that I have, um, rather than trying to take it all on by yourself. And Uh, I I think creating more than you consume because we were like looking for answers everywhere. It's like, wait a minute. It's like, I think we have some good thoughts here. What if we are the people that are creating content and trying to help right now? So we went all in on doing lunch and learns, doing webinars and just putting content out there. Um, because if you're doing these things, hopefully it's something will start to stick and start to, yeah,
2: I think that's spot on. Um, I I would add to that. Like, I, I think the content is key for sure. And I know what a lot of people might be thinking is like, well, everybody's creating content right now. Well, yeah. Um, uh, because I've heard that comment a couple of times where, where I basically gave that same advice to somebody and I'm like, okay, you need to be out there. You need to be in front of all these people. Um, and then their response was, well, everybody's creating content. I'm going to be lost in the mix. And it's like, okay, you can, you still need to create content, but like maybe figure out how to do it better um or in a more creative way um and then also combine that with like putting some ad dollars behind it to amplify it to make sure it does show up in their news feed or where whatever platform they're they're looking that they're looking through um so i think that that's key and then also the the other thing i would a couple other things i would say through this time is it is what what i just said like maintaining those relationships so I think a problem that I've been seeing is that people are still, and I, I've seen, I'm seeing this with agencies and freelancers. They're still continuing their same communication protocol. I I think that's a mistake. I think they need to to pump up their communication game and actually be more personalized and and actually reach out to each one of these clients and and basically just say and you know communicate in, in a way that says hey we're here um, and then also. I agree with Jim changing up strategies um, is going to be, I think crucial over the next few weeks, maybe months. Um, Like one of the things that, that I've kind of suggested to somebody was, I think you need to have VIP Facebook group. Like if you don't, if you're a business and you don't have a Facebook, a closed uh, VIP Facebook group, I I think you should create one right now. Um, And, basically what this Facebook group is for is basically to have um, all of your clients slash prospects, like people you you're continuously communicating with um, and putting some content in there that's exclusive for this group that is going to be super helpful. And and it's content you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily put on your public page. And so I think what that does psychologically is it, it tells people, Hey, Um, I'm trying to help you guys during this time. Um, and, and I'm not getting any
1: financial benefit out of it. Like I'm not doing any selling in this group. I'm just providing content. So the content thing for me, the content thing is always a struggle for me because it's so hard to recommend that people create content when they don't, when they have no revenue, you know what I mean? And so I think that's an easy one for us to say, for those of us who have a cushion. Uh, but, but I don't know, maybe, I mean, convince me otherwise, I guess, guys, but the the content one, I can, I can see it for sure. I can see where you're coming from the VIP group. I can see you like sharing how to, how to get through COVID-19 for, for your clients. I I guess, is this high converting content or what's, how is, how is content helping me as a freelancer or a founder who just lost half of my business? How is that helping me regain what I've lost? That's a good question.
2: Um, I, for, so, I think creating content, like you got to create content in a different way at at a time like this. I think it's all about benevolence. Um, it's not about selling. I think I think the reason is
1: is because people don't want to be sold to right now. Um, yeah, yeah, I get that. They, but what, what if yeah. I've lost half my business? Like, what if I am, you know, three months away from going out of business as a freelancer um, or a two or three person agency? What I mean, what can I be doing content wise?
0: Yeah, I, I think about this a lot because I struggle with this. I think you guys do, especially this podcast by creating content in, in a very good way. But like for me I'm I'm like so busy I'm finally firing myself and able to work on the business. But I, I think as for freelancers, here's how I would think about content is one, how is your content a byproduct? of what you're already doing for your clients. So the lift to put it out there isn't as significant as starting from scratch because you probably already have templates or processes or cool tactics that you're doing that, hey, how could that be a very quick snippet you put out there, blog post, YouTube video, because you're already doing it? The, The second thing is like, you know, how can it be unique? Because when I'm thinking, because especially in marketing, there's so much noise out there. I'm like, okay, how do I gym at Growth Head? How in the heck do I do something that's different from everything that's out there? So the only advantage that I have is I have a story that's different because it's mine, and two, I have data from my you know sample size that's different. So how do I amplify that in a unique way? So like if it can be a byproduct and you can put your own spin because it's yours, like that's how you have hope to get it out there. But again, yeah, it's it's so hard to create content in addition to a lot of your activities you're doing.
2: So when I say create content, like that's just kind of like baseline. That's your public face type thing. Now, kind of behind the scenes, you know what I'm doing? I like I'm a part of a lot of Facebook groups right now, but I don't I'm not engaged in them at all. Like I, I would be defined as a lurker in these Facebook groups, <laughs> and so, but I do that on purpose, and I'll, I'll tell you why. And this is how this is going to, how this is going to turn into basically how to sell. Uh, back to your question, but the reason I'm a lurker in some of these Facebook groups, and they're very relevant to me. It, it th- these are Facebook groups that have my target audience in it. I am listening. I am constantly watching and seeing what they say. And, and I'm collecting that data. And so I'm looking to see what the most common questions are, the most common problems, and the most common pain points. And that is, I swear, it's, it's totally changing and evolving, especially through COVID-19. Um, and so what I'm doing with this is I'm looking to see what the pain points are that people are going through right now. And then I come up with a solution for them and I charge for it. And that's, that's how I'm selling these things right now. And so like, for example, at the time of the, the us recording this podcast, like I'm seeing there's one particular group. I am seeing that people are wanting to create tons of videos, but they don't want to edit them. However, they want to, uh, it's very minor editing. They, they don't want to do the, the simple intro outro a very simple graphic on it. Like it would literally take a videographer, maybe five minutes to do this per video. So I'm about to create a service that says, hey, you get four edits a month uh, and it only costs you like a hundred bucks a month. And this is gonna be a monthly recurring thing. And so that's what I'm doing right now as far as like, okay, here's how you, on on a public facing thing, showing benevolence, like you're actually creating content to show value and whatnot, but I'm also listening to seeing what the people want right now.
1: All right, I like that. I can get behind something like that. Um, I think <clears throat> I think content is just always this thing that's thrown out, like, like make just make content, create content, make sure it's good, make sure it's different. So I think I think thank you guys for adding to that. I think that's some some beneficial, tactical, actionable stuff that people can take away from the call. Jim, I want to get back to your story a little bit. So where so you uh obviously contracted covid. I'm glad you're well again. Uh and I I hope that never happens again. Um Agreed. And <laughs> I'm sure. And I'm glad that your family, I assume your family's doing well. All good. Yeah, yeah. Good. Good. I'm glad to hear that. And and it sounds like your business is also Back on the mend that you've I think you said earlier in the episode that you've actually made made up your lost revenue for the year so far, is that
0: right? we We literally just yesterday did after like closing a, um another deal. so awesome. it's like, and we're like man that was a lot of work to get back where we were in February, but <laughs> yeah well congratulations oh <laughs> <man>. <laughs> I mean yeah. congratulations.
1: that's you know for for so many companies that are going out of business or still struggling, that's a that's a real achievement. so congratulations.
0: Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. I'll 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 take it. I'm still paranoid, but yeah, glad we're well, we're back there.
1: <laughs> I think a little bit of paranoia keeps us uh, keeps us healthy and strong probably in business, but sure. let's uh, let's let's talk through then where your business is headed. I mean what what are you what are your plans for the rest of the year to continue to make up for the loss and continue to grow your business? Are you hiring those two people you're going to hire? Or are you keeping it more lean? What's your plan?
0: Yeah, we, we are actually like now hiring. We're looking to get, you know, a, a CRO analyst to come in and then um, hopefully in two months to do do the other hire. Um, and so as far as the plan, one thing that it really exposed was, you know, we we weren't very thoughtful in how we got new business, which if you think about it is is, is really bad because that's pretty core to an agency. Re- regardless of how strong your retention is, you, you always want to be filling the funnel. And so it really made us work that muscle of, okay, we need to have a repeatable scalable way to grow. And the other thing, the good thing is we have been able to get good clients, ones that we want because we did have some old legacy clients that weren't the scope we wanted, weren't the price we wanted. And so that's been good. So it's all about okay, we need to get this machine going to get repeatable scalable business. And for us, it has been the combination of webinars, content promotion, and then the second thing is essentially an account-based marketing strategy where okay, we know these industries that we want to work in that are doing well. We're we're pulling, we're kind of scrubbing databases to figure out who they are. We're we're running pre-ads to them. And then we're doing outreach. And because cold outreach is quite annoying, um, we're just doing free work. We're like, hey, we'll do a free audit for you or hey, we'll build an ROI model for you. And this is actually, we were able to close two deals from it. It's proven enough to where we're getting like one a month. And so we're looking to see how do we scale this? Because we still would like to hit that goal of 2 million, but do it in a way where we know the unit economics of our business. So that's kind of my goal for this year is like, okay, can we still hit that goal and me now that i'm like working on the business can i drive our model forward to fill the funnel with enough leads and close them the right way so that's kind of what i'm focused on for the rest of the year um and also it's it's made my risk tolerance like i'm definitely probably storing more cash reserves away just to be prepared for anything that could come
1: that's that's really interesting because it feels like it could go either way like you could see that, oh, wait, we, we, you know, we, we recovered fine, or it feels like you're at least on the way to full recovery. So maybe I don't need to be so paranoid about the money.
0: <laughs> right? I'd be interested to get advice from you guys. Like, cause I talked to some agency owners and like the, the thing about growth is that it's fun, but man, it, it really sucks a lot of cash. If you're like, oh, this is great. We have all this yeah. business, but I need to hire. And like, one thing I've done is like, try to get paid up front rather than arrears. And, doing that but also like how much cash should you have in the bank for runway like should you have three months of burn one month of burn 12 months of burn and so that's like a, a game i'm always kind of playing with trying to to manage that as, as i'm growing
2: um you know th- this this answer is gonna change depending on who you talk to my personal answer is six months of of what your are what it currently costs you um to run the business now and i that's a that's a that totally evolves. Right. Like obviously if you hire two more people, like your cash reserve should go up, um, because it costs you two more salaries. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, that's my thing is six months. And that, that, I don't know. That's kind of the short answer there. Um, I, I like to, I think just kind of on this, this topic, I like to do like a profit first, um, kind of, uh, model. And so what I mean by that is like for all the money that comes in, like I have a set number or set percentage aside that goes into a different account that's almost like a reinvestment account. Um, And so that's kind of what I like to do. I don't know, Preston, what's your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. For listeners who are not familiar with the profit first methodology, it's worth checking out. There's a, a book and I'm sure tons of videos and articles about profit first models in business where you basically instead of making money paying your expenses and then calling whatever's left over profit you decide what profit your company will make and then you take that out first and with whatever's left you you pay your expenses um so i i love that idea i think uh i'm completely on board with that i'm i'm the i'm like a six to nine month kind of guy as well but but it also to me um depends on how quickly I feel like I can spin up more revenue. So like if your team Mm. has a proven track record, Jim, that you guys in 30 days or less can spin up an extra, you know, one or two employees worth of revenue, uh, then there's, there's a lot lower risk, I think of overextending yourself because you know that as the need arises, you can just bring in more sales. So I think as long as there's just an even balance between your ability to grow your, your recurring revenue versus, your recurring costs. Um, for me, it's all about that balance, not necessarily about the length of the runway.
0: That that's a yep. great point. Yeah, like how confident are you in your ability to to kind of close new business, right? Right, you know, it should definitely be like a very like a factor you put into the equation.
2: Yeah, I like that. I like that. It's um, you know, kind of my kind of my just going back on that six months thing like that's where I hover around uh, my kind of my bottom, my bottom floor is three months. And so what I mean by that is like, uh, along with what Preston's saying, if there's something I want to invest in, but I know that investment's going to give me a positive ROI over the next, you know, few months, then I will take some of that six months worth of cash. Yeah. uh, Maybe up to up to three months worth. um, And then, and then invest it knowing I would get that back. But like my bottom is like three months. Like I never go past three months.
0: I like the big swings you take, Clay. You might inspire me to take more risk with that. That's, that's good. <laughs>
1: He's a big yeah. swinger. Yeah. Swings for the fences. I that's you a, know, I
2: joke I, I joke around with my wife. I said, one of these days we're gonna go bankrupt. Uh because <laughs> I, I I take such big risk. Like it's it's. sometime in my life, like I'm 37 years old right now. Sometime in my life, one of my ideas is going to go very, very badly. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm going to go bankrupt. But you know what? It, it might,
1: but you won't go bankrupt because you know how to to recover from that. Like some something, some wild idea may go horrendously bad and I hope it doesn't, but it might. But honestly, mm-hmm. like you are the kind of person that could easily say, well, that didn't go well. And then you just find another way to make money. It's it's just yeah. it's like such a, it's a mentality thing. You know what I mean? And coming back to maybe maybe coming full circle on our other portion of the conversation where we were talking about not fitting in at, in social gatherings or whatever, like that's, that's a, a, a difference between someone who has a regular day job, just punches a clock or whatever, and someone who starts and runs a business is, is we're constantly thinking about, okay, are there more ways, more creative ways we can make money? Uh, it's not just about like, how can I make it to Friday so that I can get my paycheck?
2: I, I do like that mentality. And I like keeping this mentality because I always think of worst case scenario. And the worst case scenario is, okay, one of my companies goes bankrupt. And and even even if me personally, my family goes bankrupt, what's the worst worst case? Like, I know I have a skill set that I can go out there and make money right now, right? And so like, if that's the worst case is like, I lose my money. Uh, but you know what? I can go out there and make more money tomorrow. You know, it's like,
1: if, if you could get a job once you can get a job again, if you could make money for yourself, once you can make money for yourself again, there's definitely Mm -hmm. some, we definitely over at least I, and it sounds like maybe Jim. And I know a lot of people do tend to overreact on how fragile it all is, which is easy for me to say. I didn't lose half a million dollars in revenue in like 48 hours this year. (laughs) That's a um, tough one. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like to my point, you guys recovered, you figured it out.
0: Yeah, and and it's funny like, you know, I, not not to mention Tim Ferriss too many times on this podcast, but like the, the fear <laughs> setting exercise, right? It's it's actually a healthy one. I'm like, okay, I have to get fired 10 times. Fantastic. Let's say that happens. Guess what? I I feel pretty confident I I could get one client to pay me like X amount per month and and I'd and be fine. You know what I mean? And right. it's like, I, I think, you know, I, I think I'll survive. And it's like, when you have that mentality, um, it's like, you know what, maybe you could take more calculated risk and, and you know, swing for the fences more. And so it, it kind of has like, as we've gone through this doom day, doomsday, it's like, yeah, it's kind of tough, but it's like, was it really that bad? It's like, we're fine. Like I didn't have to lay anybody off. I didn't have to impact anybody's income. It was just, you know, a quite, quite a, a, a fire drill we ran through. But um, yeah, maybe it has shifted my risk tolerance and that it, it's okay to to bottom out because bottoming out actually isn't end of the world.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you guys. I think it's been an enlightening conversation. Obviously, not everyone has been uh, as lucky, if that's an okay word to use in this situation, as, as you have, Jim. I know lots of businesses are struggling uh, lots of small businesses are going out of business, unfortunately. And so obviously our hearts go out to those guys. If, you know, if there's things we can do to help, obviously we want to be able to do that, but this has been an enlightening story. And I think a motivating one an inspiring one for me, uh, also along the same lines, what you said, Jim is, is, you know, maybe I, maybe my risk tolerance can, can change a little. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Can you uh, tell people quickly where they can find you and learn more about you?
0: Yeah, for sure. Our, our website is just growthhit.com. And then I'm on Twitter as Jim W. Huffman. And then, yeah, my email is just Jim at growthhit.com. I'm, I'm on email way too much. So I'll, I'll probably respond very quickly. <laughs>
1: that is something that uh, people running their own business and people at the office probably do have in common. We're just all on email far too much. <laughs> all right. Thank you guys so much for the conversation today. I really appreciate it. Clay, thanks as always. And yeah. Jim, nice to meet you. And thanks for the conversation.
0: Thanks a lot, Thanks. guys.
2: Thank you. Freelance the Founder is a production of MILLO. You can discover more business building resources for freelancers at
1: MILLO.co. And you can learn more about Clay's business and level up your entrepreneurial skills by visiting getdripify.com. Freelance the Founder is distributed by the podglomerate. You can check out their other great podcast at thepodglomerate.com. And the theme music was produced by Joaquim Carud. You can subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or by searching Freelance to Founder in your favorite podcast player. We'd
2: love to have you join us on an upcoming episode. To learn more, visit freelance to freelancetofounder.com.
1: That's all for this week's episode. Until next time, keep up the hard work and we'll see you soon. See ya.